sermon is on James, the last passage of James. So obviously this is the last week we'll be preaching from it. It's James 5, verse 13 through 16. Let us pray. Lord, we're asking for your Holy Spirit to come upon us and be among us and be in us. We thank you for the practicality of the language and the word that comes from this particular epistle. We're asking that you allow each one of us to see what it is that you want us to see this morning. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Um, we can't even imagine what it was like in the very earliest of days after Jesus was resurrected. But we do know that Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, for those early believers, he was the backdrop for everything. It's what they thought about. It's what they talked about. It's what they remembered. It was a huge and is a huge, huge event. I'm embarrassed to tell you how little I actually think about the resurrected Christ. He's here. He's with us. We know him. We give testimony to him. But he was risen from the dead with eyewitnesses. He gave some of them breakfast. He walked on the road to Emmaus with others. And the church was their existence. And they were still trying to figure out what access to resurrection power in daily life meant. And we are still trying to figure out what access to resurrection power in our daily life really means. So James begins with this. Is any one of you in trouble? And that's exactly how is it, it is presented. And when you ask someone that question, and just come up to them and ask them, are you in trouble? You will get as a first response, believe me, because I've tried this a lot. No, everything's fine. But if you wait it out, almost everyone we know, everyone we love, has an answer to that. And it's, yeah, there are parts of my life where I actually am in trouble. And then we think of the context for James and what James is all about and the persecution that was experienced by the early Christians. And we're talking about huge trouble. They were involved in immense and cruel suffering and torture. And I'd like to think that we could endure this kind of persecution for Christ and that our faith is strong enough. What we see from James is that trouble exists, that trouble is here to stay. Trouble forms us, trouble molds us for God's purposes. And then I went to the beginning of James and found this verse and it almost made me weep because I think of so many people for whom this applies. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because he or she has withstood the test. He or she will receive the crown of life 
that God has promised to those who love him. The troubles will exist as long as the world exists, as long as the world contains broken humanity. Is any one of you in trouble? Of course. It's almost tongue-in-cheek the way he asks this. Then he says, if you're in trouble, you should pray. It's not all that obvious to people that in times of trouble, we go first and foremost to God in prayer. Usually, often, when we experience hurt or inner chaos or deep concern or pressing need or tragedy, trouble, we don't automatically in two seconds pray. We don't even breathe. We try to figure things out. We try to apply reason. We try to solve the problem. We try to identify the trouble and attack. We try to overcome the trouble with human effort. We try to fix it, even if we know that our fixing capabilities are limited. Is anyone in trouble? Then that person should pray. Have you ever heard yourself say to yourself, or maybe someone has said it to you, Praying is good, but there's only so much that prayer can accomplish. Actually, what scripture says is with God, all things are possible or all things are possible with God. But sometimes we have to just get going and do it. We tell ourselves nothing could be farther from Christ. Nothing. He never said anything even close to God helps those who help themselves. He wants us to be completely and totally dependent on him. And dependency is not a high value in our culture. But he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Cut off from me. You can do nothing. When we pray, we actually give the trouble to God. It actually happens because we are born with a will. And we have made the choice to place our concern into the God realm. We are no longer limited. We have access to the mind of Christ and the power of God. When we pray and give our trouble to God, there is an actual dynamic, a spiritual dynamic that occurs. It is now his problem. To pray in times of trouble is the way to live that invites God in and actually affirms our belief in the resurrected Christ. And we do notice we have the ability to discern how prayer takes effect. And as a result of honest, sincere prayer, alternatives and options expand and reasoning opens up. And with prayer is spiritual anointing. Anointing. It is a huge principle in scripture. It is the applying of sacred oil. But spiritually what it means is things have an ease and can move forward with fluidity and things are basically spiritually being greased and struggle is eased. I put in a new um, master bathroom shower not too long ago and the spigot, I guess you would call it, was horrible. It was brand new, and it was creaky, and it barely moved, and two drops of oil, and the thing was suddenly effortless. 
and worked in an entirely different way. Anointing prayer. And I'm not talking about the actual anointing of oil, although that is more than symbolic, that is very necessary. But what happens in the process of prayer is that we become anointed. Then the scripture continues, James continues, is anyone happy? And again, it is assumed that to these early Christians, this is a given. How can unhappiness coexist with the reality of the resurrection and the resurrection power and forgiveness? Death has been swallowed up. So there are no circumstances in life that can rob us of our core joy in Christ. He came to heal every part of our being and every part of the community. So James continues, let the happy sing songs of praise. And even if we're feeling bad about life, sing songs of praise because in the big picture we can sing songs of praise but if a person is governed by feelings this seems close to impossible for many people feelings of hurt for many of us feelings of hurt and disappointment can actually consume us we can't let feelings be the complete guide for living it is true that to avoid feelings and shut them down, that affects our relationships and our well-being negatively. However, there is such a thing as feeling worship, the actual worship of feelings. I feel, therefore I am. I feel this strongly, so it must be true. Or my feelings are the most important thing on earth. Praising God, singing songs of praise, heals broken feelings. Christ came to heal everyone, to heal the broken hearts, to heal fractures in the soul, to heal it all. The risen Christ heals. And the, the passage continues with, is anyone sick? He should call on elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. And we actually do this at Christ our King. We have, along with the spiritual mandate of laying on of hands, a group of people who will come and lay hands on you and pray for you. And every single person in this room has needed this at some point in their life. And it's something that the early church designed, and it's one of the most underrated, underutilized thing that we have in the church. When the people who are called to pray lay hands on those who are in chaos, those who are hurt, those who are ill, those who are consumed with doubt, those whose whole lives feel shaky to them, this is the group of people that come, and this is part of the church the prayer offered in faith, it says, will make the sick person well. And the key phrase here is offered in faith. And what does this mean? Theological competence? Saying the correct words? Expressing proper sentiment? No, praying in faith is honest, authentic, engaged prayer. 
I've been praying about our partnership a lot lately, and I'm not at all sure that the congregation really gets or understands. At some level they do, but what it means to be partners with this church in Kenya. There is a direct correlation with how well we do as a congregation with how much they are praying for us. The power of prayer is huge, and we know it, and there are prayer warriors among us, but that's a group of prayer warriors who own us. And when the partnership starts to dissipate, you know, it's about us helping them out, but we need them. When the partnership starts to dissipate, I begin to pray in earnest, Lord, do we need to reconnect with the people in Africa? It's been a while since we've been there. Last week, unexpectedly, Eustace, the partnership leader in Africa, in Kenya, his daughter was stranded in Delaware, and she's been with me for a week. And the partnership has just like come to life. The partnership has been reestablished. And this happens again and again. But I uh, will be honest with you, last week I was praying about it from the depth of my being. And you just see, and you know, when the Lord says he will raise him up, that means he will raise us up and raise all kinds of possibilities that we need at the time we need them most. The anointing, that act of prayer, forgives sins. When we know our sins are forgiven, there is a release from a particular form of stress, from spiritual stress. And if we cannot believe that we are forgiven and forgivable by God, we do become sick in one way or another. Appropriate as opposed to inappropriate guilt makes us ill. And to take this further, if we don't think we need God's forgiveness, that's a sickness of a different sort. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, which is a remarkably healthy thing to do, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. An awareness of our own need is healing. And the stance and the equipage to serve the world in compassion we need to know we need healing. The church doesn't want or need those people who have it all together. We have to be, in the language of Henri Nouwen, wounded healers. If we haven't known Christ healing us, forgiving us, then we basically don't have a message. Because he